Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Right now, I get to push that button right there and say good morning, Howard Garrett. How's everybody? You know, just wondering when spring's really going to show up and stick around. <laughs> it's uh, uh, around here. I, you know, it's not so much the cool, but the lack of sunshine. I don't, I don't think I can remember a two and a half month period that we've had as little sunshine as we've had so far in 2019. We've had a fair amount of sunshine. We've had a little more wind than I like. It's oh, yeah. Been, uh, it's been pretty rough. We've had some trees damaged. Most of the ones I've seen uh, myself have been ones that uh, didn't surprise you. Uh, the ones blown over didn't have any roots. You mm-hmm. know, rot had been going on for some time, and then some of the damage in the top was from just poor management of you know, pruning care, you know, tight V joints things like that you know one thing that i had not thought about before we had a great seminar last weekend with our arborist friend but he was talking about people that when they limb the trees up when they get a really tall bare trunk and he was showing the physics of it he he got a little beyond me but uh the pressure at the base of a tree the longer the bare trunk is before it gets to the top the greater the pressure there is down at that point where it goes into the ground and even a tree with the root flare exposed the more pressure there is and the more likely it is to snap in a storm and that's why people shouldn't be trying to raise the canopy on these trees 20 or 30 feet off the ground let it let it start a little bit lower well, I've been trying to preach that for a long time, and some trees, besides that point, and he's absolutely right on that, but besides that point, some trees, it actually stresses them and oh, yeah. can lead to, um, you know, up to and including death. Cedar elms are really sensitive to mm-hmm. that. Oh, and magnolias. You know, I, I if you look for, and of course, magnolias aren't nearly as well adapted to our parts of Texas as uh, they are to Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. But I think those lower limbs, I think they shade the soil. And if you want to, if you want to make a magnolia here in San Antonio, at least, if you want to take it from a healthy tree to a really sick tree, yeah, take away those lower limbs. It'll happen very quickly. Oh, I totally agree. And the other thing uh, that's Equally as bad as gutting the uh, top, the most serious uh, ice storm damage I've ever seen was on trees that were thinned out too much in the top. Yeah. I think the canopy being there like the tree wanted to have, you know, <laughs> it grew it that way, uh, kind of protects itself. The limbs lean over and can, you know, rest against each other, and it's, there's just more balance there. And when it's too wide open, they have uh, farther to move. And the other thing I noticed uh during the last two really bad ice storms that we had, the wor- the limbs that, the uh, limbs that broke the most mm-hmm. were the ones growing straight up in the air. Oh yeah, the ones going out, you know, had more tensile strength and were stronger. And uh, he had a cross section showing the wood fibers and showing how that bark builds up between the two limbs when it makes a very narrow 
be like that and it's it's really pretty obvious it's sometimes it's a little hard to take care of when it's way up in the top of a tree but uh i'm i'm never surprised when i see you know a tree with two trunks it's just split and lying sideways on the ground you can you can pick out you can go around if somebody said hey a big wind's coming i'll bet you could drive around your neighborhood and tag the trees that are going to be broken when the wind comes well absolutely i went over and did a little quick uh consult with uh, one of my golf buddies uh, yesterday and he had a big red oak that he was worried about because it had huge limbs reaching over his house Mm -hmm. and a big one had broken off some years ago going the uh, other way but there was really nice callus forming you know I told him to get the liripe off the base of it (laughs) get the flare exposed all the usual things that we say but I pointed out to him that the big limbs that were growing toward the house had these beautiful, big, wide, U-shaped mm-hmm. uh, joints, you know, not these. I said, that's what you want to see. Those are the ones that have the uh, great strength. So it's always possible for a storm to come knock the tree down on your house, even if it's as health, perfectly healthy. Right. But you just limit, you know, the chances a whole lot uh, by avoiding those v's and mm-hmm. obvious things well of course you're an arborist by training and you already know you've learned so much more than we have and there's so much of it just makes sense that i'd never really thought about he took a uh, a piece uh, uh, that was cut sideways you know down through fairly deep into the trunk and you could see the little knot and he said well okay this is where the limb actually began and think as that tree has grown think how much more tissue has built up underneath that limb as the trunk got bigger and bigger so it's got this huge mass of tissue that's supporting that limb that limb that's coming out at a you know at a right angle that trim tree that limb can be huge because it's got this big base of material holding it up because you know it's anchored way down in the trunk of the tree and then it's it's just got this ledge that it's sitting on top of and i'm thinking duh why didn't i think of that yeah it's pretty fascinating uh the plant you know all plants are interesting but the trees are certainly top of the chart that's why they've you know, been my love for a long time, starting with my climbing adventures <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> and and carried on by one of your puppy dogs. I haven't heard much yep. about your tree-climbing dog lately. Well, she's doing great. I uh, In my part of my art, I'm doing uh, some stuff on the dogs uh, now, which has been kind of fun. But she, she still goes up uh, occasionally, but she listens well and comes back down. So... Uh, we haven't had any more uh, accidents. She is she is one funny dog, I tell you. We've had a lot of dogs that are smart, but she's she's way up there. Oh, I tell you, they're 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 challenging, and 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 it's true. Doctor Kirby talks about this all the time. Some breeds are just a little more intellectual than others, and there are certain breeds that unless you have time to spend with that dog, that's not the right dog because they need they need that attention. They they need. To who have that socialization or they tend to get into trouble they've just got such an active mind they're going to find something to do and if you're not there to direct them no telling what you may find when you come home from work well that's the truth and uh routines it's amazing how they get into a routine and how they remember what ought to happen next you know and if you don't do it you know, they're standing there looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Well, <laughs> you forgot this, that, or the other thing. Well, one of, one of our black labs, 
just she knows when Monday comes around, and she knows that on Monday I go to the bank, and she knows that she gets to go to the bank with me, and the bank teller has a nice big treat for her. Yeah. And Monday morning she 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 want to go out and stand by the car, like, can I get in just to be sure that you don't forget to take me? And then she starts drooling as soon as we turn into the bank parking lot. So anyway, we love our animals. Well, one of the things that will be different this morning, I would guess, as soon as I hang up from you, i got to hit the road to go to Denton. I'm speaking at the uh, B&L feed store there and going to show off uh, some of the uh, art and uh, sign some books and things. And, and so I'm not going to be cooking breakfast, and that's one of their favorite things because they stand around and, and beg for little morsels, <laughs> treats. And then, of course, they get to uh, have their, their breakfast at the same time we do, and then they... I do something Dan probably won't approve of, but we let them lick the uh, plates clean, and that is their highlight of their day. No, oh, yeah, no, it's uh, uh, I, I, you know, the, he he doesn't like pork products. He didn't like bacon and ham, but uh, other than that, you know, he, he he's got he has funny things now. He has quite a menagerie of dogs, but he also has chickens, and the chickens go out and help themselves to eggs in the hen house every now and then. So. Ah, uh, there's there are lots of fun things. Uh, what's the uh, what's the problem with bacon and pork? I think it's a lot of the preservatives in there. I don't think it's the uh, the bacon and pork, but a lot of the different chemicals they use to preserve are yeah. real hard on the kidneys and uh, real hard on uh, uh, the oh gosh what am what am I trying to say? Uh, uh, they they can have real bad uh, gastric issues, including some. Uh, some potentially life-threatening things uh, sure. that, that can bother them. Well, we don't give them very much at all, but and we also, you know, it's, for the most part, we're doing grass-fed, no GMO, no. Yeah, you know, Pan- pancreatitis was the word I was searching for. There, it's real, real hard on the pancreas. But no, and and you know, it's like we always agree, all things in moderation. The other thing, and you know, now I know it's not plants, but uh, people that love plants tend to love animals. But very few people realize how deadly xylitol is to dogs. And yeah, that's uh, a scary one. You know, and the other day yeah. I went to a dentist, a new dentist I tried out, and I got home in the little care package. You know, they send them with you had uh, the spry or whatever mm-hmm. it is, gum in it, which is xylitol. And it, it's bad to, for that stuff to be around at all because you could accidentally drop it on the floor. The dogs, you know, clean off the counter or something. So folks really need to be careful with that yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm not a gum chewer, but I am. I, I worry about that because dogs love to chew gum. I remember my old beagle dog first dog i ever owned growing up uh she'd go pry the she'd go pry the gum off the bottom of the chairs <laughs> in public places just just to have it to chew but dan tells us that there's enough xylitol in one stick of gum or in one muffin sweetened with xylitol to kill some dogs so people need to really be aware of the danger there but uh, that's really scary isn't yeah it? yeah it really is. I had uh, a caller early this morning that was asking me, we were talking about Garrett juice, and he was asking about the purpose of the vinegar. And I was telling him, well, we always use the apple cider vinegar. It does have some natural acidifying effect. It seems to have some effect on the coating on seeds that helps them to germinate better and faster. And, of course, it's got, you know, a number of micronutrients and things. What what all different things uh, does the vinegar do in the Garrett Juice formula? 
When I was writing my tree book, uh, Texas Trees, I was doing research on uh, on propagation of various trees that I had never grown before, and I kept running into uh, the use of acidifying stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. part of the stratification. (laughs) And they were recommending, you know, muriatic acid diluted and various things that I I wouldn't recommend. It dawned on me that that vinegar might be something really good, and I tried Mm -hmm. it. Lo and behold, it worked well. And then experimenting with, uh, you know, Garrett just started by people using compost tea and then starting to add some molasses to it. And then other people would add a little, uh, a bit of a seaweed to it. Some people would add some fish. And I just started playing with those different things and uh, ended up putting the uh, vinegar in it. And the vinegar, besides being a, a very mild fertilizer, it's mm-hmm. got a lot of nutrients in it. Uh-huh. It is the maybe the most important ingredient in the Garrett Juice formula, and that's because it functions as a synergist. Mm-hmm. It makes everything else work better. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing that backed that up, I was working with a fellow years ago down in the Hill Country, actually, and he was uh, doing some experiments on uh, saving uh, trees from oak wilt and using some organic techniques and he was he was lowering the pH with mm-hmm. various things he was basically using not a toxic chemical but some kind of synthetic way of of lowering the pH and he had found that it made the nutrients more bioavailable uh-huh. uh through the foliage and the bark and everything getting into the tree and then and making them more effective and so that was another thing that kind of backed up the uh, vinegar. Plus the fact I've done a lot of research and learned from others about how beneficial the apple cider vinegar is for humans. Oh, so sure. It's just, yeah. it's just good in a whole bunch of different uh, directions. But maybe the most important thing is this synergy yeah. that it provides to make all the other ingredients in the uh, the famous mixture work better. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. It's, it's like a catalyst, in other words. Yeah, it just right. everything is its action is enhanced by that. Well, that's a good explanation. I hope you're still listening because you certainly <laughs> expressed it a little bit a uh, little bit better than I did. One other thing, I want to back up to trees uh, for just a second. That, um, but another thing that he was saying, and and you know he's he's as strong as we are on exposing root flares. But he said virtually all the time when somebody tells him, my tree just folded up and died overnight, he goes out and looks, and it's it's the long-term result of the tree being buried too deeply. He said, uh, he said you may not see many warning signs at all. He said, but a tree has a certain amount of reserve or a woody shrub or anything like that. He said, and the longer it stays buried, you're just pulling the reserve down to a point that all of a sudden the plant just gives up and dies overnight. And I hadn't really thought about that, but uh, between the connection between the two, he said, but if anybody has real sudden death in a plant that is almost always related to root flare being uh, buried. Well, I think that's right, and that that can relate to some of the diseases, you know, like the Mm -hmm. disease that Photinia, the red tip Photinia gets, the disease that, you know, cotton root rot that the lace bark elms get and things mm-hmm. like that. Anytime that's just putting so much stress in there, it could be that alone that killed the tree. You know, it yep. killed the root system completely, but it might also be a combination of things with uh, some disease being part 
part of it because it's definitely going to have more pathogens at work there if mm-hmm. you know, flares and, and the roots are in trouble. Very, very good advice as always. Well, I, I certainly want <clears throat> to give you all the time you need to get to your uh, to your next speaking engagement. But any anything special you're you're telling people this spring because it has been wet, it has been cloudy. Are you telling anybody to do anything differently going into spring? Oh, the thing I keep running into, Bob, the most uh, from my friends and people who call the show and everything is. Um, with some exceptions, there are a lot of people that do it right, but the biggest thing I run into are people watering too much. Yeah. Putting the sprinkler system to water too often, to run it too long, and keeping things uh, too wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's especially a, a problem for the uh, trees because you can have a lot of things going on bad down in the ground if it's staying too wet that you don't know about until it's too late. Yeah. We've uncovered some trees and uncovered flares, and when we got the flare uncovered, the flare and the beginning of the roots were already rotting and so soft that, you know, you just shook your head. You knew that, you know, yep. it's, their, it's on hospice. And, you know <laughs> what? We can't turn it around when it's that far yep. uh, gone. And the other thing is just, you know, try to stay away from the uh, the Roundup as much as you can. There's a lot of people that think they're semi-organic that are still using Roundup. And, well, and some of the and, other uh, toxic herbicides, I mean, I hate Roundup, and it's it's certainly the one that's in the news, but my gosh, there's still, there's some other nasty herbicides out there, and they, oh, yeah. I think if we look at them carefully, it, it's funny, too, I was talking to somebody, I, <laughs> you and I talked a little bit last week, I mentioned how upset I was that they actually had some of these stinky bags of stuff kind of half in and half out of the door of the grocery store, and I understand that got taken care of very quickly when heard someone heard us talking about that, but this lady said she'd gone into Costco, and they literally, next to their meat counter, uh, they had stacks of uh, some of the weed and feed and some of the herbicides and some of the Roundup-based products. And I, I'd never really thought about it. There ought to be a law against storing that kind of stuff around food stuff, but I guess there's not. But it's th- this has been a discouraging year because the weather, at least down here, has been cool enough that our basic turf grasses really haven't started growing yet. And so all people are seeing is what they perceive as weeds. And, boy, I spend a lot of time talking people out of weed killers. Well, on the other hand, the good news is that a lot of the stores, even the big ones, are getting into organics to some degree. They just need to uh, get with the idea that uh, getting rid of those toxic things is is a very important piece of the puzzle. Well, if any of your listeners, I know you got a lot of them up there in this part of the world, in North Texas, anywhere near Denton, I'll be there speaking from 10 to uh, till 10 till 12, I think, and we'll have books, we'll have some of my art, you can see some of my wild and crazy art, and uh, <laughs> I'd love to visit if you're in the area. And support Torque, and, and tell us once again exactly where you are in Denton. It's DNL Feed Store, Feed and Farm Store, it's a big place, really cool uh, place in uh, Denton, and they've got what we're calling the Dirt Doctor Destination, you know, all of the products that I recommend <laughs> for the overall uh, program, and uh, we'll be doing that at several different places around uh, the uh, North Texas area, especially in other parts of the world as well. Next week, I'm speaking over in Mount Pleasant, so people check appearances, the appearance button on my uh, uh, website. It'll tell you about my uh, locations where I'll be, and I'd love to see you. Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun getting out and talking to people and uh 
And, you know, it's I, I love it when people start quoting the things that you've said back to you. I think they're trying to prove to you that they really listen to you, but it means you're telling their friends as well. And uh, you and I can't do it alone, and it sure is nice to have people that, that are doing their, their part to spread the word as well. I had an unfortunate one yesterday. One of my friends uh, that uh, is, you know, one of the ground crew members and everything, I ran into him and he showed me a picture of this great big red oak that had just toppled over and he showed me the fact that, you know, the roots were rotted and gone and he hadn't been able to talk his wife into exposing it uh, near early enough. I finally did it, but it was too late, you know. The rot had already progressed too far. Once the roots are dead, we can't bring things from <laughs> death back to life. Even, even Garrett juice can't do that. No. And uh, One thing we might talk about next week, because I know we're pretty much out of time, but another thing that was brought up was the proper way in taking a limb off. And we all we talk a good deal about the you know cutting beyond the branch collar, but he made the comment, he said he hates pole saws because so few people will take the weight off of the limb, cutting it further out. And he made the point that when a limb falls and strips bark down the side of the tree, he said if you watch, that wound is much, much slower to heal than okay. uh, the cut that you make. And so... Uh, Oh, we ripped into the branch collar. You know, yeah. you've, you've hurt the most important thing to uh, preserve. Yeah. So just be careful. Make that uh, cut underneath so that it won't rip. You, however yeah. you do it, you know, that's the key. Yep. Well, listen, you have fun at D&L Feed and Farm up in Denton today, and um, I'll encourage everybody. Of course, I'd love telling people to check out DirtDoctor.com, but uh, glad to hear you're going to have some uh, public events that people can come out and see and see your art and, again, give a chance to support Torque. We just have so many good organic products. It would sure be nice to have the funding to pursue, and that's, that's what you're doing with your art, and I'm so proud of you doing it, as always. Yeah, and it's all, uh, you know, 501c3, so it's all tax deductible. Well, I've enjoyed being with you, as always, and we'll see you guys next week. Be safe on the road, and we'll look forward to it, Howard. Thank you so much. (laughs) Goodbye. All right. Well, we've got a full board up there. We're going to talk to Cindy and Terry and Esperanza and Joe. We start with Cindy. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. How you doing on this chilly morning? <laughs> I got lots of clothes on, you know. It's uh, um, I'll do just fine. I'm I'm glad I'm not out having to sit in one place, but start moving around. It's going to be pretty darn comfortable today. Okay. Well, I I bought some caladium bulbs, and I'm wondering if I should just plant them in a pot first. Abs- yep. Instead of putting them in the ground now. Do, do not even think about putting them in the ground until the soil warms up substantially. You bring up a really, really good point, and that is that um, uh, you can set out caladium plants when the soil is still cool. But if you put caladium bulbs in the ground while it's still cool, most of them will just rot. So um, you're fortunate. You have a greenhouse. You have a place to start them. Yeah, go ahead and plant those bulbs anytime you like. And once the bulbs are up and growing, you can go ahead and plant them outside, even if it's still cool. But uh, no, I I'm probably not going to be thinking about putting uh, plants in the ground or putting bulbs in the ground rather until probably after Easter this year. Okay. Yeah, that's what I had a feeling that I wanted to confirm. <laughs> Well, your your hunch was exactly right, as I think it usually is. Yeah. Okay, I have another question. I have a crown of thorns that's 
in the greenhouse and it's just getting very tall. Okay. And I'm thinking about, you know, cutting it and, you know, rerouting it. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? Well, crown of thorns, of course, uh, they are euphorbia. And when you cut them, they're going to bleed that white milky sap for a while. The thing about um, cutting something back, we've got to have good bright light for it to really put on healthy new growth, for it to branch out the way that we want it to branch out. So, you know, be sure that you're keeping the plant in a spot that has lots and lots of light. And uh, other than that, you can cut pretty much any time you like. Crown of thorns, um, you, it's, they're about the same rules as everything else. Take off buds and blooms. Take off uh, leaves. I like to root in perlite, and um, I think you've got a propagating mat, so uh, your your euphorbias of all sorts are going to root a whole lot faster you know, on that propagating mat than they would just, uh, you know, left to the cooler temperatures that we seem to be experiencing. So uh, uh, it's not much different from anything else, but I think the bottom heat is just especially important for a crown of thorns. Okay. Well, since we're not having any uh, sun these days, will the mother plant uh, leaf out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, should leaf out, but just, you know, put it put it in the brightest spot that you can, um, yeah. and, and that's what's going to help it leaf out and branch out. Uh, like you say, they get awfully large sometimes. You just have to cut them back, but you want them to fill in. You don't want them to just produce, you know, one more real tall, thin growth, which is the reason you cut them back in the first place. Right, right. Okay, do you know a lot about desert roses? A fair amount. Okay, well, I've got a big mother plant and then several little ones, and now I'm getting into growing seeds. Mm-hmm. And and I've got some babies right now, which is so exciting. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. Oh, my gosh, it's so exciting. Um, but I, I'm on a Facebook, couple Facebook um, sites from mm-hmm. all over the world and people with desert roses. And they use coconut core a lot, uh-huh. and I don't see it here a lot. And I was just wondering, is that you're thinking on that using coconut core? Well, core, um, and and core is coconut. You don't have to call it coconut core if you just call it core. C O I R. Um, okay. It comes in a lot of different forms. Some of it is much further composted and broken down. Some of it is uh, fairly raw and fibrous, as you would imagine. And to me, it's just kind of the smart person substitute for peat moss. Anywhere that you would normally be using peat moss, use either compost or use core. I don't think there's anything magic about core. I don't think there's anything that makes it better than other things out there, but it is a readily available, totally organic material that does not have all the negatives that peat moss have. So um, you can certainly blend it in. There are, you know, uh, oh, I know even uh, the Happy Frog people, uh, uh, Fox Farms people, they actually have a product they call Coco Loco. And if you're looking for something that has a bunch of core in it to use as a medium for growing, that might be a fun one to look for. But uh, I like core very much. I like it uh, in, you know, some orchid mixes and things like that. But uh, um, just be aware that some of it's going to be in a much 
less decomposed state, some of it's going to be pretty further broken down, but I know of no negatives to it. It's just, it's just a good quality. It's, it's another one of those things, uh, something used to be considered a waste product. Uh, people are now realizing is an absolutely outstanding soil amendment. Okay. I've been using, um, some cactus mix and some perlite and mm-hmm. some, uh, shale, crushed shale for my soil for the desert roses and they seem to be doing okay yeah and that's the bottom line they're not they're not nearly as picky about soils as you might think what they're picky about is temperatures and they love it hot i mean they'd love it if it never got below 80 degrees they would actually thrive so don't get too carried away on your soil mixes uh they're just they're just not that picky and as long as you keep them good and warm give them good bright light you're not going to have any problems with them i think you're going to be extremely successful okay yeah it's just really really exciting with these little babies you know and then i planted some more seeds and i've got another one coming up and it's like oh and you God. can look forward to the future because it's probably going to be about three years before you see the first blooms but it's going to be worth waiting for yeah but it's oh well on this facebook site these people are talking about theirs theirs is within six months I'll be surprised. I'll be very surprised if they bloom from seed that early. But you're a good gardener. Let me know how it does. I will. I will. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and have a great day. You do the same, Cindy. It's always fun to talk to you. Terry's next. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Looking forward to being out. I know it's a little chilly out there, but I think you and I both stay active enough that we're not going to have any problem keeping warm. And I'd rather be I'd rather be enjoying the cool than sweating heavily. Well, I'm with you there. I'm from Pittsburgh originally, so this is this is wonderful for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my question is is that um, CPS. Um, decided to do some trenching and um, drive their skid steer over my St. Augustine grass. And so in the front yard, um, you know, everything on the side of my house, um, there are track marks, the grass is just flat, um, and you can see the um, the marks. And so my concern is, is that my St. Augustine is not going to come back. I ran out there and put some growing green on it and put some water, you know, just to hopefully bring it back. But I wanted to get your impression. Um, is that grass going to come back or do oh, no. I need to replant? No, oh. it's, it's going to come back. Speaking of impressions or depressions, how deep are the ruts? How deep are, how, how deep are these spots that they ran, that ran the skids here through? Um, I think probably maybe an inch to two inches. Yeah. Just fill them in with compost. Um, you know, compost is going to soften the soil underneath and, you know, it's just the grasses, our turf grasses, our St. Augustine's and others are so slow to come out this year because of the lack of sun and the continued cool weather. I mean, when St. Augustine starts to grow, those runners will grow. They'll fill in an area two feet wide in a matter of uh, two or three weeks. So I think you've done exactly the right thing with what you've done. All I would do is follow up with a little compost on top of it. I would look very carefully at the plat of your property, and if any of the damage is outside of where they have their easement, I would tell them you expect some compensation uh, because – that's that's the thing about uh, easements for 
you know, all the different utilities out there is that, that that's the thing about an easement. You can plant anything you want, but they don't have to replace it if they tear it up. But if they have crossed the line, so to speak, outside of their easement, and they're generally very good about this. You point it out to them, and uh, they'll kind of hang their head and find a way to compensate you or reimburse you or whatever. So I'd, I'd be looking at your your the plat of your property and see if they got beyond their easement. But other than that, a little bit of compost, I think you're doing everything you need to do. Good thorough watering. If we don't get better rains than we've had, give it a thorough soaking about every week or 10 days. Excellent. And so then that brings me to my point in the backyard. So they they dug um, trenches in the back to bury their cable mm-hmm. about 30 inches. So obviously that grass is no longer there uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the width of my property. So um, I I guess I need to go get some St. Augustine sod and no. plant it. No, 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 no. Yeah, oh. if if the trench is less than uh, 18 inches wide, it's going to grow over in a big hurry. If you need to get more grass, you can go to spots in your yard where the grass is still nice and dig up your own little four-inch squares, and that's going to be better than anything you could buy out there. So, uh, And those places where you take up a little square here and there, just dump some compost over that, and a week from now you won't know you've ever moved it. But you've got plenty of sources in the rest of your yard to take some nice little chunks of sod that you can plant back there. But I doubt if you're even going to have to do that. If that trench is not more than 18 inches wide, and they usually aren't, it's going to grow in from the sides very quickly. But it give it the same fertilizer and compost treatment that you're doing out front. Oh, okay. Excellent. I was just like mortified by that back there. And yeah. when I saw the, oh, okay, well then I feel much better now. I'm so glad I called you. <laughs> well, you just, you just need to be the plastic surgeon that takes care of the scars that they left on your yard. But uh, by June, it's, yeah, I don't think you're going to be concerned at all, Terry. I think everything will have filled in beautifully. Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks again. Um, you saved the day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'll, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your call and I think it's going to work out well for you. And you call me if you have further questions. I will do so. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Right now, uh, let's talk to Esperanza. My other call dropped off, so I'd have, uh, just a couple other things I'll talk about in a minute, but right now, good morning, Esperanza. Good morning. I want to go fishing, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let it warm up just a little bit more, though. It's uh, uh, yeah, I, I've been... I- I've been ice fishing, and let me tell you what, that's, uh, uh, they're, they're just, there's not a bad form of fishing, but that good old lazy summer day fishing, that's the best kind of all, in my opinion. Right. I'm over here in Atkins, uh, Bob, and, uh, you know, my husband gave me a camellia for Valentine's Day. Okay. And I put it in a pot, right? So, um, it was doing real good. I had it under a gazebo uh, during the summer, and uh, then it started uh, getting chilly, cool, and I brought it up in my um, in my porch. Okay. And uh, it's semi. It's about like uh, half covered and half open. Okay. And so uh, it did real good. Um, I kept it next to a deep freezer. Mm-hmm. And. Um, so I had put uh, some soil on it, and uh, then um, it had some buds on it, but they wouldn't open. So I had the bright idea of going and getting some ionite. No, don't do that. Uh, uh, well, uh, all the leaves came off, all the buds came off, everything. Um, 
So now I have this uh, camellia, and I took it off of the porch. I put it back underneath the gazebo, and I'm wondering, is it uh, going to come back? Is it dead? Do I just get it and throw it out? How, how long out? ago did you shock it with the ironite? How long ago did you knock the leaves and buds off of it? Uh, last month. Okay. I hope it will. Ironite's just a is just a nasty product. I'm sorry. I just it's one of those things I don't think should even be on the market. And I'm Ooh, sure wow. it uh, it you know you you did some damage to the roots. I would um, I, I hope that it will come back out. There's just no real way of knowing when you water it. Water it super 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 thoroughly to try to kind of flush out or leach out. Um, all that the chemical that came in with that material. Um, there's a funny product. It's called Super Thrive, S-U-P-E-R-T-H-R-I-V-E. If you read yes. the bottle, it sounds like snake oil because it literally, you know, I you would think it would bring things back from the dead. And my first experience with it was a lot of years ago, and that's when it brought back some cuttings that had been shipped into the nursery I worked for at the time. I thought they were dead. They were shriveled up. They'd been delayed in transit, and I thought they were just dead brown twigs. My friend and employer insisted that we pot them up and water them in with Super Thrive, and out of 300 of them, I think 297 of them came out and grew. So I'd... I get a little bottle of Super Thrive. I'd put, you know, like a tablespoon of it in a gallon of water. I would use that every time your plant needs water. Now, it's not going to have to be watered very often without any leaves on it. But right. I, we're going to give it another month or six weeks before we totally give up on it. But uh, you need to just flush out all the toxins that you can from that ironite and uh, give it good sun. I mean, the ideal place for a gardenia is sun in the morning, shade in the afternoon. And um, uh, you probably wish gardenia, you... gardenia, It's a camellia. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's, I meant to say camellia. But they take very much the same... Uh, the same uh, conditions as a gardenia, like the same kind of fertilizers and all. But uh, morning sun, afternoon shade. You probably had some insects in the buds called thrips, which are what kept them from opening. And if you ever have that again, we can get rid of them real quickly and easily with a garlic spray. So at this point, flush it out good. Give it a little bit of Super Thrive, and let's talk in a couple of weeks and see if you've got new leaves coming out on it. Okay, Bob, do I take all of that? soil and repot it with no new soil? no you don't want to shock it that way you'd uh it'd almost be the kiss of death that's like going in for you know an uh, a surgery when you already have the flu <laughs> at this point it needs to be left alone and given a chance to come back out for you okay bob shall do i i appreciate your help it's Thanks always a lot. pleasure